to Potadelphia and our, our Philadelphia Phillies 2019 Funeral Edition. My name is Dave Diorio. You can find me on Twitter at fat underscore lobster. And I am joined by two guys who are overpriced talent contributing to a mediocre product. What's up, Chuck and Gene? Damn, that is that is calling me out. <laughs> <laughs> we, I would like to think the show is more than mediocre. I unfortunately am overpriced. <laughs> Um, this is Chuck Siders. You can find me at Chuck Siders. You can find the show at Potadelphia. And my name is Gene Zilek. You can find me at Producer Gene on Twitter. And uh, I wasn't overpriced till they doubled my salary. So, sorry. Yep, two times zero. Still zero. Still zero. <laughs> Pay them nothing and they're still overpriced. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, you have a 500 baseball team. Congratulations. Oh could have been anything else like this team well there were two other options it could have been well thank you dave thank you (laughs) but this team was destined for 500 we were you know it would just you know revert to the mean no matter what we were always you know win three lose three win one lose one it was we were always 500 so it's almost impressive. 81 and 81. Like that's that. That's Boy, what are the odds? Accomplishment. Yeah. <laughs> You're even Steven. <laughs> <laughs> I would have given so much money for Gabe Kapler to go like, just like <laughs> crunch up a $20 bill, throw it out the window. By the end of the press conference, like find it under his hat. Well, Gabe is looking at this as, uh, as 81 wins. Right? Glass half full. We won 81 games. Well, I'm looking at it as 81 losses, so... Oh, Gene. Negative Gene. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like we felt all 81 of those this summer, though. Doesn't it seem that way? I don't know, man. I can think of a couple that I felt more than others, and most of them came... (laughs) came at the hands of the Marlins. Boy, what... I mean, like, what... Where do we where do we even begin? I, I just keep going back to the euphoria of February. Like we won February. <laughs> uh, we also won March. I, I'd say we won March as well. You know, yeah. so that in April, April, late winter, early spring was all about the Phillies, and you know that that's what makes up a baseball season, right? Yeah, I don't understand why they don't just shorten this baseball season to like 50 games. Yeah. <laughs> we would have God. been in much better shape. I mean, yeah, we still have only gotten the wild card, I think. I mean, honestly, this this offseason is going to be really, really slow. I mean, compared to all of the pins and needles that we just went through, it felt like baseball never really left us. So, I mean, we, what do we have to look forward to? There's there's nobody to, to meet electricians in, on rainy days in front of... Uh, Citizens Bank Park or, um, you know, nobody for John Middleton to fly out and have steak dinners with. I I don't know. It just doesn't seem. Well, there's Garrett Cole. I mean, do you fly out for steak dinners with pitchers? I mean, they only play every fifth day. I mean, he's the best pitcher in baseball, but. Better than Mark Verlander? You think he's better than Verlander? Yeah, I mean, like, so look, 
believe me, I think it's a good thing that it's not going to be a, a free agent circus this year. Like we, we really need to focus on the infrastructure of this baseball team. Like we, yeah, you know, like Bryce Harper's awesome. I love that we got Bryce Harper. He, he's going to be a cornerstone moving forward, obviously, but it, I don't know. It feels to me like you're hanging chandeliers before you even put the drywall up. Like where, where are like the, I don't know, I guess like the grunt pieces of this lineup just aren't fitting together. Like the, the under, the underscore, like the undernoted contributors just aren't there on this team right now. Yeah. But how many, and I'm not making excuses, but how many of those pieces did we lose to injury and assault uh, early (laughs) in the season, you know, and and who's all coming back? Was McCutcheon's back for next year, or was he a one-year deal? No, he's on. No, he's a three-year he's deal. A, yeah, three-year deal. So three-year deal, provided he's you know healthy. We heard that the recovery time for this is nine months to a year. So I mean, he'll, he will be back next year. It's just a matter of when. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't think I, you'll I, see much of him in spring training. I think he's going to be like a one of those guys that's on like that ten day disabled list to start the season that may straight stretch out to like. Yeah, the he might start in May. May. Yeah, yeah, because you know what they'll do is they'll put him into like an extended spring training kind of thing to get him yeah. up to speed. And Robinson, he, we signed him for more than one year deal, right? Yeah, I think he's another. Yeah, I think he's another deal. multi. Yeah, so I mean, all of our big off-season acquisitions from last year are still around, but only so, one of them really worked out. What's what? I said only one of the big off-season acquisitions really worked out. Well, I think definitely two. I mean, you can't discount Romuto. Oh, he was no. phenomenal. Yes, that's true. That's true. But not a free agent acquisition. That was a that was a trade. That trade. Okay. So uh, yeah, uh, David Robertson is a two year contract, so he'll be back next year. Fuck it, I called him Robinson again, didn't I? Yeah, you're you're talking about the admiral. <laughs> I know. I cannot <laughs> help myself. That's gonna be. <laughs> uh, he better not be pulling down rebounds during his uh, rehab. <laughs> I mean, we could just say, for the most part, the that the bullpen may autocorrect itself just by getting players back healthy, you know. But I, I don't know. I still think I'm not comfortable going into next season, just saying like, hey, we're gonna get you know Robertson back, we're gonna get um, Sir Anthony back, we're gonna get. I, I don't even. And then. Yeah, I mean that's it. Like I, I think the bullpen. Nishak, I, I don't. The bullpen needs help, and the starting rotation needs what? Three arms. Yeah, yeah, at least three. At I least mean, three, and uh, you, you're gonna have, you're gonna have Nola back and Arietta back, and I don't really need to see any other. Any other player? I think I think that was on this team back I, in a starting. I think one of the two unless... one of the two starters that we acquired late in the season uh, is going to stick around, whether it's Vargas or uh, Smiley. I think you're going to see one of those guys in the rotation. I, I don't like I having don't... a rotation with both with two guys that whose fastball like just touches 80 miles an hour. Like that makes me uncomfortable. But I feel like of the two, Vargas is the better bet. But 
Vargas is a guy that you're comfortable with as a five, but uh, you know it, it, the way this team is constructed right now, he's is he your three? Is he your two? It's it, it's it's kind of nerve wracking. Um, I don't think Smiley's back. Uh, I I have to hope that we are finally past the Vince Velasquez experiment. Um, we have. <laughs> They always say that you know that we we we, we want to see what he can do. At this point, we're talking about like fifth year of the experiment. Uh, I think we know what he is. He he's good through the rotation twice, and then he uh, is abysmal. Um, no, Clintac, you get one. You get one spot of these little uh, these little problem children that you've seemed to amassed in your pitcher's orphanage. Uh, you get to have one spot for one of those guys. You could pick Eflin. You could pick um, uh, I don't know who who are these other guys. F Eflin, uh, uh, um, help me out, guys. Who I'm? There's one guy that's popping in my head that he was injured most of the year, then came back and crap. Um, Eikhoff, you could have Eikhoff, you could have Eflin, Eikhoff, uh, Velasquez. No. It can't Pavetta. be Velasquez. Could it be Pavetta? It could be Pavetta. That's the, the, you get to pick one of the, everything. You need two starters. We need two free agent starters or call ups uh, to go with Arietta and Nola, and then you have one of your little problem children as the fifth starter. I'm fine with that. But oh, I we cannot. We're... We can't go with like, well, these guys are going to improve, and that old that old hat again. That was not this year. It didn't work. You're going to need a new plan. Yeah. Do you think that they just got myopic about the whole we have to sign Bryce Harper thing and the whole front office just could not get past that amount of energy they were exerting into that part of the 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 offseason? And, and do you think that that is why, to some degree, the, the starting rotation got ignored? Or do you really think that in their hearts of hearts – they believed that this this squad, you know, this this kind of uh, hatched together hodgepodge of starters was really ready to make make a leap forward. I, I think it was the Flyers goalie situation where they knew they didn't have the greatest assortment of arms, but they had enough. They're like, OK, if if one or two of these guys take a step forward, we'll be fine. and. You know, as long as no one takes significant steps back, you know, it won't be a disaster. Well, everyone took a step back and <laughs> it was a disaster. So I think they're just playing the odds. I keep hearing that it was uh, that there was something that they're, they're, they're talking about, like a problem strategically with the way that they approached pitching in general this year. Uh, I, maybe I'm too much of a of a rube to understand um, and not a morrow. Uh, too much of a rube to understand uh, what was different. It just seemed like they 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 didn't was the, were their approaches off. Is is Chris Young's approach off? Was he was he letting them uh, not was he not getting them the right kind of information on hitters? Uh, it just seemed like they they didn't have a plan most nights about how they were going to get people out. I, I would say that that possibly could could have been the case if. You know, last year they were effective, and now this year they're not. But they're just ineffective pitchers. I, I mean, you th to say that, like, yeah, we think they're going to take a step forward. Well, why? 
Where's the evidence? Yeah. Why, why, why would they be better? Yeah, oh, I think we had a whole bunch of, you know, four and five hole pitchers, none of which we were in love with. I mean, like, think back to this time last year. Um, and I think Eikhoff was the one I was really holding out hope for because, I don't know, small sample size than injury. And Eflin, eh, he's fine. You know, I didn't expect him to be good. I was hoping that he wouldn't just be a catastrophe. Pavetta had some high points year before last. You know, Pavetta maybe I had a little bit of hope for. I think Eflin has flashed it for the longest amount of time. Like last year to start the season, I think we actually could have gotten something for him at the trade deadline because he was so effective. And he had an appealing amount of control left on his contract. But at this point, like we got to give up on these guys. It's not going (laughs) to happen. Eflin become a, a quality pitcher. It just doesn't happen. Eflin is the only guy I'd be happy with as a fifth starter, like not enthralled by like, fine, fifth starter. That is fine. I won't be pissed off. Pretty much everyone else. I'd be like, all right, well, just chalk this one up as a loss. You know, yeah, which fifth sometimes happens. Skip them when you can. Yeah, it's exactly. fine. The problem for me is I feel I still feel, I'm still convinced that Nola is a two. He has not impressed me down the stretch. We needed him in a bunch of must-win games that we lost every single one. Granted, it's not always his fault, but you know, every once in a while, you got to win me a one-nothing game down the stretch. It would have been nice. Uh, I just don't think you can rely on him as your anchor, your total stopper. It's just, I don't know. It's to me, it's not shaking out that way. Does he seem to you to have that same kind of like eye of the tiger that you used to see like in Cliff Lee or Kurt Schilling or, uh, you know, go way back to like Randy Johnson. Like those guys had, you know, those sorts of pitchers had that real killer instinct. Even a guy like Maddox, who was not a hard throwing pitcher by any stretch of the imagination, but those guys all had that, that killer instinct, that uh, that almost like that 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 desire to even Cole Hamels to a certain degree, certainly in 08, um, he had kind of like that arrogant side of the of 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 the of that that ace mold. Um, I feel like he's won. I feel like he's won marquee matchups. Like he's outdueled Scherzer, um, you know, a couple of times, and he, like that's fine. I just don't know that he's won any sort of big games for the like you know he's played well in Boston but the Phillies really have not been in a position where it's a big game like late in the season in a pennant race yeah and and he did come up short you know at the tail end of the season and what did we end the season with like was it eight straight losses when Nola pitched Something along those lines. It was damn high. And they had and, they had reconfigured kind of the way that they ran the 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 starters out to make sure that he got he was maximized to make as many starts as he possibly could until we got to this week when they shut him down. And you know what that could have been a factor too with his play. I definitely think he's a top one or two. Maybe he's not your your true ace, but I, I think he's fine as a number two. I think he could be fine as a number one, but no, he didn't, he didn't do what Ryan Howard did and throw this team on his back and say, I got you boys, you know? 
I just don't see it. I I just don't see it in a a one game must win game where I'm putting up Aaron Nola and you're you're putting up your best guy. I I always feel like I'm going to be on the short end of that in most cases against other playoff teams. Sorry. Well, once you, I mean, just look at the division. Uh, the best guy in Washington were behind. Uh, I'd say the best guy in New York were behind. Yeah. Um, I'm not well, sure. We're behind, I think, probably three guys in New York. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you do? I mean, what do we, what do we do? What is what do you think is 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 the strategy for pitching? You can't rebuild an entire rotation in one off season. Um, you know, if if you could, do you think bringing in just a marquee name kind of reconfigures things enough to start to make you competitive do you put your eggs in that basket or do you you push again all in do you go and try and got, sign a guy like rendon and really stack the lineup in, in 2008 you, you you can't really say that like we had a deep rotation um you know we had joe blanton and and jamie moyer start world series games for us the difference was Cole Hamels was as close to unhittable in that playoff run as you, you can possibly get. Um, so, I mean, you can do it if you've got one marquee guy and some decent, you know, quality pitchers around you. But, you know, may, maybe the strategy for Klintak should be let's 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 double down on offense. Let's go get Look, bigger. For bats. 2020, I would I, the pitchers just have to be. Okay. In all honesty, if just if the pitchers were just okay, we'd be in the playoffs. At least in a wild card position, which like geez, that that's let's just take this next step and make the postseason. Uh well, I mean it's been eight years, we can't even get a winning record. But if we could just take that next step and get to the postseason, I would say if you can sure up the offense even more, great. The pitchers just gotta be okay. Just not Drek. Yeah. And and they were absolute Drek this season. I mean, we can debate up and down what what went wrong, but we had no arms. We had no arms. <laughs> like, it, even Arietta, you know, he was playing injured how long before he jumped out? A month? Two months? I mean, he was ineffective most of the year. And I'm... I, I'm worried about the kind of pitcher he's going to be next year, but that's we're, we're not on that topic right now. But going back to that 08 team, how how great was our bullpen there? You know, our eighth and ninth inning with Matson and Lidge, you know, we just need somebody to get a six. You know, that's why you could have a, a Blanton. That's why you could have a Jamie Moyer. It's like, hey, give us, you know, Six good innings. We'll throw somebody in the seventh, eighth, and ninth are covered, and you got to win. And they, the guys they put in the seventh, pretty good guys. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But we don't have that right now. If God, give me one more legitimate starter. Let's say Arietta comes back and is good, and we have three real starters. Bring in a Jamie Moyer type as the fourth starter, and God knows what we do with the fifth starter. Right there with this lineup, we're probably a a wild card. You know, right there, if even that's what our team looked like, shore up the bullpen just a little. 
And it's a whole different season. It's a whole different season. So he, here's the other hot topic, I think, going into the into the offseason. What what do you want to do with the infield? There's a couple of positions. There's really three spots that I would say are, to a certain degree, could be totally in flux and look totally different from last year. I think the only thing you th- I would say is safe is Segura is going to be your shortstop next year. Uh, what do you guys think at the other spots? Because I, I think that you're going to see – Somebody that is not on this team right now at third base, and uh, and I think you're going to see Scott Kingery at second. That that's that's my opinion about how. Wait, things wait, are wait say that again. I I think that you're going to see somebody at third base who is not on this team right now. Whether it's Alex Baum that comes up from is called up okay. from from the minor leagues, or they are going to go out and get a third baseman. So I think you're that, saying to me that. Cesar Hernandez won't be here. I think he's. I think they, they've. Yeah, and I, I think he's done. Right? Like, isn't isn't his contract expired? Wasn't one of that? Wasn't that kind of the perk of maybe trying to trade him this year? Was that his? He is. He is not a free agent next year. Mm. I just think that what 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 do you need? What do you? I would try to move him. I don't. So I don't, here's your free agent third baseman. You got Rendon, Donaldson, Mustakis, Asdrubal Cabrera, Todd Frazier. Any of those names? I would uh, take any of the top three there. I mean, Donaldson's going to want a lot of money because he just proved that he could—he was worth twenty-six million a year. Uh, I don't know that I would want him in per se. Uh, if I'm going to spend that kind of money, I think I want Rendon. Uh, but I wouldn't mind even a even a guy like Frazier. Uh, I don't know what his defense is like, though, honestly. But uh, I know he hits well. Um, I don't know. I, I would take him. I would take any of those guys over Michael Franco. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course. That, um, as, that, we had his Drupal Cabrera. You know, I I don't. That guy's got the range. I think I've got better range than his Drupal Cabrera. So, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think that third base is certainly a a spot that there's a lot of options. Mustakis, I think, would be a really interesting name to bring over. I think that's a really yeah. good place yeah, you could I, upgrade I may have the spoken offense. Too soon on him. He has some contract options for. Yeah, and I feel like I remember that being part of his thing for last year. But we may have the third baseman in in the pipeline, which would... well, yeah. That's what I mean, we say do you want to? You don't want to sign Rendon to a, you know, four year deal or something like that, and totally block Boom. But do you do you move Boom to first base, and do you move Reese Hoskins then? I I don't know. I mean, I don't know what his I don't know enough about uh, Boom to to know like his defensive optionality. I would think if you can play third, you're probably all right at first. But you know, you wouldn't be a, you wouldn't be any worse defensively than Reese Hoskins. How are we feeling about Reese Hos- Hoskins on the whole? Like he he disappeared, man. You know, he went. Well, my guy's got to hit over 200 in the second half. Come on, yeah. dude. You know, well, I, I'm used to him being a streaky hitter, but his cold streak was what July on. <laughs> yeah, you can be one month on, one month off, but you can't be one month on, three months off. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what do you yeah. what do you attribute to it? I mean, you couldn't have got him more protection. Um, everywhere you looked, he had somebody hitting around him who was going to be able to square up the ball and put it out of the ballpark. Um, granted, uh, you know there were some bizarre flipping lineups that that Kapler. Uh, throughout during the course of the year. Uh, it didn't seem like any of that mojo ever worked for him. Uh, I really am a firm believer in the idea that uh, they really talked up his own kind of headlines about what a good eye he had, that he was such a selective hitter. And I think that he selected himself away from every pitch that was possibly hittable. Um 
And that's why he took a, a lot of strikeouts looking. Uh, he ended up in a lot of counts, 1-2, 0 because he just had no interest in going up and, and attacking first well, pitch. Well, did, did the staff mess him up? I don't know if it's so there was something in his head. I feel that there was a little bit of a shift when when Charlie Manuel came in, but I don't know if it was enough to kind of reconfigure his whole his whole outlook. I feel like he's got to really spend the off season examining his approach to the plate. Somebody has got to get with this organization to re-examine our power hitters' approach to the plate. We don't have guys who have got who should be tentative about attacking the ball. Bryce Harper, J.T. Romuto. Reese Hoskins, these are all guys who should be aggressively attacking the baseball. If, I'm, if they're going to strike out as much as they do, they can't be looking at fastballs over the middle of the plate. So I just did a, tw- a quick uh, Twitter refresh. Uh, Gabe Kapler has not yet been fired. Yeah, you can refresh until until May. <laughs> no. Oh, you think he's not going anywhere? I think he's not going anywhere. Wow, I, I would bet. I would bet a lot that he is. Uh, I, I, I hope think, you're right. I don't think he's going to survive the week. I, I hope you're right. I really hope you're right. But I, I don't know. I just get the the feeling with the the bloodletting earlier in the day. You know, I, I just get the feeling that they're going to say, "Well, all the injuries mounted against you come back on a really short leash," which is a dumb idea. You know, he's going to come back on the hot seat, you know, from spring training on. But, and I could be completely wrong. I have a feeling he's coming back. The the vibe in the, with the with the beat reporters, and Jim Salisbury is usually not one to um, be hyper, hyperbolic, hyperbaric, whatever, you know. Hyperbolic. <laughs> hyperbolic. Hyperbolic. Not hyperbaric. <laughs> That'd be a whole different thing, right? That's like yeah. ice chambers. Um, but you, he he said that he's been around baseball a long time, which I think we can all vouch for. Uh, and he said that he kind of gets a smell in the wind that this is this is the kind of vibe you get when there's going to be a change in management. That's the only thing I'm basing my kind of feeling on. Uh, you know, I for for most of this week, uh, I was on the he's not going anywhere train. Uh, I, I am certainly a believer that the decision was made long before um, that Washington series. I don't think that whether he was able to finish one game over 500 was going to make a lick of difference about whether or not he was going to come back. Uh, I don't think it was. It's, it's such a thin margin that 81 or 82 games makes the difference in, in the man's job. Um, but I feel like there's a certain amount in ownership – um, that feels like we they were out in front of this Bryce Harper signing. They kind of got that that goodwill train moving, and and not paying it off to them feels like they have to show some sort of sign that um, you know we weren't just full of it. Like we really are going to spend crazy money. Uh, and and I don't and to a certain degree, I feel like that that phrase gets thrown around like, oh, you're going to spend crazy money on pitching now. You're just going to buy. I think to a certain degree what he was trying to say is we are not in a rebuild mode. We are going to do the things we need to do to win. Uh, And if that meant uh, paying a a high price for a free agent, that's what we were going to do. And I think now to the same degree, if this means that we need to completely reconfigure the front office and management, then that's what we're going to do. That that is going to be the 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 crazy money this year. That's what I'm thinking. I just think I think Middleton hears the fans, 
and yeah, you know, he's investing a lot of money in this team and uh, he, he needs the fan base to invest as well. And I, I just don't think uh, another Gabe Kapler product is palatable to this fan base at all. I think, uh, you know, what's that old adage? Like a manager will affect the outcome of maybe five or six games a season. I think Gabe has affected a disproportionate amount of games this season and maybe not by a direct move that he's made, but by indirect moves and moves that have piled up and had residual effects days after. Um, I I mean, we have to be among the league leaders of position players pitching innings (laughs) in major. I mean, I don't know. You're right. I'm wondering if we can look this up to see what the major league record is for position players pitching uh, innings for a season. But I would imagine that we're, you know, we're a contender. And a lot of that is mismanagement. It's like you mismanaged your bullpen. You ran out of pitchers. You didn't think three steps ahead like you need a manager to do. And with all this analytics nonsense and the talk about launch angles and all that shit, like, uh, you know, if if Matt Clentak wants to be like that and that's the philosophy of the organization, fine. But just give me a manager that is just – it goes by the book. Like, just be a manager that's by the book. We're not – we don't need to reinvent everything here. And, you know, if you want to do a gut check every once in a while and do a, do an instinct play, I'm totally fine with that. But, like, just – it's like it's it's like playing with an insane blackjack player at the table. <laughs> you know, I, it's like, what are you doing? Why did you do that? Just do – just play it by the book. A couple things there. I tend to be that insane blackjack player. I have my own strategy. Thank you very much. Um, but this this was a rough season for Gabe. This is a, a rough season for Gabe. You can't what about deny us? it. It was a rough season for us. Well, yes, but the, well, we talk about that every week. What I was saying is it was a rough season. He He had a bad hand dealt to him, and he completely shit the bed. Like it was, what are you going to do in this, this moment of opportunity? You know, the, the, the chips are down. Here's, here's a chance to show your character. And and what are you going to show us? And he showed us nothing. He showed us those crazy lineups like Gene talked about, you know, none of them seem to amount to anything, you know, the occasionally getting thrown out of a game in very odd moments, his weird press conferences, his it, it was somebody who had all the wrong moves. Like he seemed to have no clue what to do. And you know who I think about in a similar but but different position is Brett Brown. You could tell Brett Brown was a good coach when he had nothing. You know, he came in, you know, what mid-process, tail end of the process whatever you want to say, but he started off with a pretty garbage team and everyone knew that he was a good coach. Everyone saw what he was doing. Everyone saw the effort he was getting out of subpar players. And you can go, you know what? Brett Brown has the goods. I've seen it in hockey many times where it's like, okay, uh, Scott Gordon, Scott Gordon last season. You know, he ha- came into a tough position and did really well. He did really well. He, 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 you know, he had something to put on his resume. Kapler doesn't. 
yeah. Kapler Pinky, does Pinky not. Pinky would sit back and go, wow, this team is really shitty, and then goes, oh, crap, Brett's winning too many games with this really shitty team. How do we make them shittier? Yes. <laughs> Take away Ish Smith. <laughs> you know, certain teams ask, you know, you know, can I be better than I am? You know, the process Sixers is like, can we be shittier? I know we're on pace for a record losing season, but can we like go below the limbo pole even further? But yeah, Brett Brown was a good coach in awful circumstances. And Gabe showed us nothing in awful circumstances. The the other thing maybe I would, would compare as far as other teams in the city that maybe... Um, the Eagles have uh, almost everyone knows it's it's out in the NFL that there is a certain culture uh, with this football team, and you know I, I don't know the the intimate details of it, but you could see it even on on uh, Thursday night when when they all rallied around Avante Maddox. Like that is a team that is that is deeply bonded to each other and deeply bonded to the coach. Just listen to how anybody talks about Doug Peterson. None of those players have anything bad to say about Doug Peterson. Um, By the same note, I think all of us just watching the Phillies day to day, if there is even some kind of modicum of culture that's in, in the Phillies bullpen uh, uh, locker room, I, I think more of the problem is that there is no culture that it is just a collection of personalities and it is lacking leadership from the from the top from the manager and and where it's coming from is in weird spurts from different players uh or from the hitting coach when he comes in uh and i feel like that you cannot become a winning team if you cannot um establish some sort of a culture and i don't like i don't care if you're going to be positive all the time like that's fine it it just feels so i don't know unauthentically positive it's just passive aggressively positive maybe that's not maybe inauthentic isn't the right word maybe you're right maybe passive aggressive but maybe he does genuinely believe in all of this positivity but you seem like not a human being. You know, like if you look at someone and like, man, your eyes are like a little too far apart. Like, are you sure you're a human being? Uh, are you not an alien or something like that? Like to me, that's when I listen to Gabe talk, I'm like, oh, you're really trying to be an authentic human being, but you don't have the correct programming or something like that. I, I don't know <laughs> is what this it the is. the offseason Gabe Kapler becomes a real boy? <laughs> I don't, but I, for that to happen, you uh, you can't lie. So there, oh. that's out the window. Um, I don't know. I just want someone in that's just more based in reality, uh, more human. Um, but and yeah, that will instill a culture that's authentic and not just some like lip service culture that it seems like we have now. Can we get Carlos Santana as manager? You know, oh, not oh, like the no, I'm no, breaking, no. The, uh, I'm breaking television, yes, Carlos Santana. Not, I'm gonna rock out here, Carlos. yes, correct, correct. Although, how great would that be? He just, <laughs> like, instead of arguing calls, he would just play like hot guitar licks, like Latin guitar licks from the oh, well, then maybe at the post game concert wouldn't have to be uh Diplo <laughs> yeah. or somebody who Mike Schmidt actually knows who they are. <laughs> All right, now umpire, Santana on the bench next year. Uh, umpire, you are so the Avid smooth. Brothers or whatever. You know, 
<laughs> uh, all right, so it games out. Who do you want in? You want Joe Madden? Do you want uh, Buck Showalter, Joe Girardi, Ryan Sandberg? <laughs> oh, God, no. I'm sure he's available. Uh, I kind of lean towards uh, Joe Madden. I'm, you know, I don't buy everything he does, but I think he has the right temperament for this market. I think he's can be a bit of a showman, you know, to to be with these big personalities in the spotlight. And he's gotten results. He's took a, you know, okay, uh, a good, a good Tampa Bay team to the World Series. He won the World Series with the Cubs and had several other really productive seasons with them. So he he would be my choice. Uh, I would like Buck Walter as well. Gene, who's your pick? I wish we could get Terry Francona back. He was always my... Uh... Oh, are you serious? <laughs> no, thank God. <laughs> the only thing I, the my only favorite uh, Terry Francona fact was that him and Scott Rowland used to take smoke breaks between innings, um, <laughs> which is what Dave and I used to do. Um, but no, seriously, I think uh, if Joe Madden's out there, I don't know how you can't certainly kick the tires on that one. Uh, I, I think I just want more of a, um, more of a a leadership, more of a. a traditional manager type uh, I, I like that madden's not afraid to use some of these new um these new trends in baseball but he also falls back on what is traditionally what's worked um so he's played in the he's done managed in the american league he's managed in the national league uh, anybody can kind of get deal with the the chicago baseball market uh, I feel like you, 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 you know, coming here isn't going to be that much of a culture shock. Uh, I feel like that they're, you know, us, them, Boston, New York, those are the, those are the, the, the markets that are, are all kind of comparable. So uh, I think he'd be my choice. Uh, and Ryan Sandberg, wherever you are, just stay there. <laughs> uh, I, I'm actually like, uh, I, I would be in favor of Buck Showalter. Um, the, I think he's got the Orioles connection uh, with McPhail. So if there's some sort of, I don't know, gap or maybe they could build a bridge between the manager position and the front office. And he's, you know, a bit more of an old school guy. Uh, I just, you know, but like whatever, any of these guys would bring a lot of stability to, to the clubhouse and I would be totally all for it. So um, with that, are we burying the 2019 Phillies? Yeah, I think we should. Is that pretty much it? Yes, we have to stop talking about them for a little while. Uh, before we move on, you guys want to do a quick little like postseason picks? Yeah, yeah, because I actually have um, I'm 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 pretty confident about mine. So this oh, week I'm we have... not. So oh, you, so do you want to do overall or do you want to do the wild card stuff first? <clears throat> well, why don't you lay out what is tentatively the, the? I don't know if there's even anything up for grabs. I think it's, it's all no, it's all locked in. It's Season ended today. Okay, it's over. So... There's no uh, there's no game one sixty three for anybody. I don't okay. think so. Um, it's in the National League. You got the wild card game is Milwaukee at Washington. I like the Nats there because that's going to be. I like their pitching better. Ditto. I, I like the Nats in a one game. See, play. I will take. I'm taking Milwaukee here because it's the curse of Steven Strasburg. Ah, <laughs> back to bite them again. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think Milwaukee's got a little nobody believes in us because of the uh, Christian Yelich injury. 
Is Strasburg is... set to start that game? No, wouldn't it be uh Scherzer, right? Yeah, it would be Scherzer, right? Okay. I don't have yeah, the Scherzer. probables. I don't yeah, have they, the they would have had time to line that up. So Yeah, for sure. They've known for a while. Okay, and then the American League, we got the Rays and the A's. Ooh. The Rays and the A's it, it, in Oakland. Uh, I'm going to take Oakland. Yeah, well, the, just home team. Yeah, it's a Philly connection. <laughs> for, 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 all those former Phillies. <laughs> no, 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 via Kansas City. <laughs> oh, yeah. right, right, right. <laughs> Even stronger. Man, those players um, have been hanging around for a while, huh? Uh, I'll take Montreal. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I'll take Tampa Bay. I mean, I just feel like they're a little more battle-tested being in the AL East. I can't I, – I, I don't know. I, I guess I'm taking two road teams in the wild card playing. I don't know. That's probably a bad idea. Ballsy. But. All right, so who, who do you like overall? I mean, you got three 100-game winners in the American League. That's – and Tampa Bay's no joke. Yeah. Uh, I'm taking uh, Houston out of the American League. Okay. Yeah, I mean, they probably have the easiest first round series. I mean, they're not playing a team that has a hundred wins. It'll be really tough for the Yankees or Twins to go through that the other team and then Houston, right? So that makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah, I'm trying not to pick chalk here, but the more I look at the playoff lineup, it's hard not to. Ugh, I can't, in good conscience, say the Yankees. I gotta say the Astros. I I really think the Astros. Are coming out of the AL. Yeah, I mean, I I, I took the Yankees preseason, so I, I guess I'll just stick with them. But it really would be a lot of fun to see the Twins make this happen. That would yeah. be great. I just feel like they have they have got an uphill climb. Like the Astros and the Yankees are both. Those are loaded. Squads. You know, the Twins might be nobody believes in us this yeah, year. Yeah, they may have a little bit of that. Because I mean, like they're like, hey, we, we want a bunch of games this year, guys. Yeah. You know, I know we're not the Yankees or Houston, but. All right, and then what about the NL? Oh, I, I, damn, I worry that the Braves might come out of the NL. The, the Dodgers just. They, when did they clinch the their division? Like, like June. I yeah. mean, the Dodgers have been on autopilot for a long time. I could see, I could see them going down. Uh, I'm gonna say the Braves um, sneak out of the uh, the NL. That's interesting. I, and and there was part of me that kind of looked at it the same way you did, Chuck, but I just I just can't see the Dodgers get knocked off. Like that lineup is is stacked and I just feel like they have got that they're just have so much playoff experience and I feel like in baseball maybe more than any other sport, uh having been through it really does uh really does count for something. Um I don't know, Washington doesn't uh, doesn't seem to be the kind of thing that would 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 make it through for me. Um, and it's, uh, who else is out of the central St. Louis? Yeah. St. Louis. Yeah. It's Atlanta. Uh, you know, it's one of those things. The, the, the Cardinals always that weird thing where you've not heard of anybody on their team. And all of a sudden they're in game seven of the world series. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, I think this is, I think this is going to be my, my world series. And it's been, this has been what I've thought for a couple of weeks. It's, it's going to be a rematch of Houston and, and the Dodgers. That's, that's how I kind of see it lining up. Yo, guys, so uh, Sunday Night Football right now. Uh, the Cowboys are down uh, 10 to 12 to the Saints, and and Dak has about a minute 30 with no timeouts to get them in the field goal range, and his first play takes an 11-yard sack. That's Dak, <laughs> baby. 
I mean, I'm gonna keep him in bounds. All right, sorry. I, I'm just <laughs> the shot in Freud, uh, like, the enthusiasm has... of a Dallas loss in prime time. But anyway, this well, is it's just, you know, it's just nice I, to know. I have no faith that they're gonna rally here, but it's nice yeah. to see when they, the first time they come up against like another real team that they, you know, they put up ten points. You know, it, it's their offense is a fraud. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I'm taking the Yankees Dodgers World Series. I think that'll be a good like classic matchup. Um, yeah, and I like the Yankees to win it. So what is that their twenty? 31st world championship or something like that that i think what 22nd if i had to guess no no no. they have at least 27 oh really wow. yeah i thought the habs had the the most of all pro sports well they need to like win some here in the next you know the last couple of decades they kind of hit a wall well that's true all right chuck our hockey team is not in the United States or Canada. We're not in North America anymore. We are not in North America anymore. We are in Switzerland. And uh, Gritty can be seen wearing Lederhosen. So we always have to begin with our, our Gritty coverage. Um, we are in Switzerland for a exhibition game. By the time you're listening to this, it will either be later today or in the past. It's going to be at 2 o'clock on Monday here. And that'll be the last game of the preseason before we open up the regular season this Friday, uh, October 4th, 2 o'clock Eastern time in the Czech Republic against uh, the Chicago Blackhawks. And we have not we've come dangerously close to talking about the Flyers for months now, but it's always been little dribs or drabs. So lots of shit has have has happened since we last talked about the flyers so i thought maybe an efficient way to do this is dave gene what what are your questions for me what are your what are your thoughts what do you what do you most want to know about either this preseason with the players or what's going on for next year well not next year this coming season i mean so one of the things that i'm most concerned about as a Flyers fan is uh, productivity of the offense and particularly the power play. Um, it, is it going to be better than it was last year? The short answer is yes. Oh, like, good. Yes. We, I still can't quite put a finger on what the hell happened last year. The Flyers power play with Giroux as the quarterback of it has been really damn good for a long time now. Um, top 10 in the league, often towards the top. Um, you know, we'll, we'll say top 10, because I don't have the numbers in front of me. But they've been really effective with Giroux as the quarterback of that power play. And adding Kevin Hayes, av- adding Matt Niskanen, um, I think that they're going to continue to you know, produce on the power play or will produce on the power play again. So power play number one is um, should be productive. Power play number two has been abysmal for so a while. So who's going to be on power play one? Power play one is going to be Giroux, Voracek, JVR, um, uh, Ghost. And oh, I, forget, okay. I forget who the fifth guy is. Those are definitely the, the four. Um, I think Provorov has been in there. Um, I'm I don't quite know who's going to be the fifth guy, but those four of Giroux at one circle, 
uh, JVR in front of the net, Jake at the other circle, and Ghost at the point with somebody else as the other point has been really effective for a long time. Ghost has looked very good this preseason. Well, he has looked, he's looked, yeah, I'll say very good. I'll stand by very good this preseason. Um, Provorov has looked, Provorov has looked like himself, hasn't been a world beater, but definitely looks like the, the player he was in seasons past. So there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic um, from activity on that, on that D line. Nice. Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, I think that'll get us a long way. Oh yeah. Well, in more so than that, the penalty kill, um, I don't know what happened in the last preseason game, but up until the, the last preseason game, we have not let up a single point. We've not let up a single goal, uh, on the penalty kill this preseason. And, you know, yes, it's preseason, but given all the, all of the crap, all of the, how porous our penalty kill was last year, it's a huge improvement. If we cut our, our penalty kill numbers in half, we're just, you know, half, you know, I guess twice. I don't know. Let up half the amount of goals on our penalty kill as we did last season. We're probably a playoff team last year. So yeah, I mean, and you you have that goaltender stability from the beginning of the season, and you, you're not you know screwing around with uh, Star Trek cast members. <laughs> and I real quick, I knew Ivy Leaguers. Go ahead. Well, we still may screw around with an Ivy Leaguer, uh, but I I knew that the number one reference was going to be Cal Pickert um, <laughs> with the Star Trek reference. But no, our goaltending, Carter Hart, has looked really good this preseason. Uh, Elliot has not looked good, and I don't care. Um, he hasn't looked good in most preseasons. He's kind of the guy who's like, yeah, tell me when the real games start and I'll be there. Okay. All right. Um. And he's not your number one as a backup, as a as a backup who plays a little more than you know traditional backup. I love Elliot. In the AHL, we have Lion, who I think is a true AHLer, and then we also have Felix Sandstrom, who has looked really good. You know, then I don't know if he's the backup goalie or he's a goalie we trade away for another piece that we need. But Felix Sandstrom down the AHL as a, you know, he's going to get need some time to get adjusted to North America. But outside of that, um, we have a tremendous uh, goaltender asset in the AHL. And Dave, you can go ahead and celebrate. <laughs> yeah, the Cowboys lost to the Saints. And, and, and Dak Prescott's little baby arm couldn't even throw the football from the 50 into the end zone. I mean, give me a break, dude. <laughs> At least get the Hail Mary there. <laughs> and, you know, oftentimes I am really grateful that we don't do this show on Facebook Live. Um, that moment right there, that those last few minutes of this show, <laughs> I wish that we did because Dave's professionalism was phenomenal. Asking a question, talking, 
And then you just, I, I didn't have to look up the screen to know what was going on. I could just watch Dave to see what was happening in the, the Giants-Saints Listen, game. Listen, I am, uh, when it comes to that, I'm excellent. You can ask my wife. You can ask my coworkers. So I get asked so many times, <laughs> what did I just say uh, during the course of a day? I, and I'm, I got it. I'm with it. I, 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 was, I was along for the ride, but this game was too important. Eagles closed the gap to one game behind the Cowboys. We're in this, baby! <laughs> yeah, I might have had to. I mean... <laughs> and I knew I should have put money on the Saints tonight. Oh, I knew it! <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, um, in summary, um, the PK should be better. Uh, the power play should be definitely better than last year hopefully up to snuff well hopefully you know a similar level as years past so we got better did our rivals also get better that was going to be my question specifically uh how should i feel about the new jersey devils chuck oh damn i was gonna hope i was hoping you're gonna lead with the rangers so i could tell you'd feel fine The, the the devils you should be a little wary of um, I don't think they're the class of the division or anything, but by bringing in Jack Hughes and, you know, Taylor Hall, um, it was looking good in the, the preseason PK Subban, Wayne Simmons, um, Wayne Simmons hasn't looked great, but man, he brings a whole lot of intangibles to that team. Percent chance that Jack Hughes is a bust. 10% chance, 5% chance I give to anybody. So I throw another 5%, but no, he's Jack Hughes is going to be good. He has looked good already. Now for this season, the hope is he hits that, you know, rookie wall. You know, the NHL season is longer than what he would have played with the U S national development team. It's going to be, you faster know, and harder. more phys- it's going to be faster and more physical too, right? Exactly, faster, more physical. He's playing against men. The even the bad players in the NHL are going to be probably as good as some of the best players he's been playing against now. So it it's going to be a grind, but he's going to come in and be a difference maker. I I think they have a little bit of. It's so hard to tell because only from preseason. But I'm getting a sense of the Devils of two years ago in that I think they're going to play above their heads a little. I think you get somebody like a P.K. Subban, you get Jack Hughes, you get Taylor Hall. Uh, they have Nico Hirschier, you know, their number one overall pick from the year we took uh, Nolan Patrick. And I think the team has a real good shot if they get goaltending of you know, just stockpiling a lot of wins early, just like they did two years ago. And everyone's sort of shaking their head and go, well, I guess the the devils are legit. Like, I wouldn't be too afraid of them in the playoffs, which is a long way away. Admittedly, I don't think they're a terribly deep team, but I think what they have on the upper end, um, it, it can carry them. I think they're going to win a lot of games this year. 
Do you think the weird travel here at the beginning of the season is going to affect the Flyers' start? Do you think that they? Do you think we should uh, not hit the panic button if they if they come out of the gate slow? You know, maybe they they only take points out of like their first you know five out of fifteen. Well, uh, five out of fifteen possible points, maybe, but like not like five out of fifteen games. That'd be that'd be bad. Right, right, but, right, right, right. That's what I meant. Okay, good. <laughs> That's what I thought. I just wanted to clarify. So I'm looking at I'm looking at uh, Sports Illustrated's uh, season preview. Mm-hmm. So they have in the Metro Division the the way they kind of predict this shaking out. So they have Caps, Penguins, Hurricanes, Flyers in that order. Um, Caps, I agree with. Not so much Penguins. Um, it, everyone's been predicting the death of the Penguins for a while. Mm-hmm. And in that time, they did win two Stanley Cups. But, <laughs> so take We should all be so lucky. Yeah. I And I'm wary of the Hurricanes um, just because they don't have goaltending. Now their defense is really good. They've lost Justin Williams, who was sort of the heart and soul of that team. Um, but I think the Canes will be a factor. I think I think Washington, you know, if you want to put money on anything, they're going to win the division just because they're enough better than the rest of the crowd who will be fighting for like two through five. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the pens I had finishing fifth. Let me bring up my standings here just to because like I, I really do think it's gonna be a uh, a pretty clustered middle. I have the Flyers at third. I have Washington, Carolina, Flyers, and the Devils. Okay. Pittsburgh behind uh, the Devils. So it's that that lines up pretty much with what I was thinking. I wouldn't be surprised that the Flyers were fourth. I wouldn't be surprised if the Flyers were fifth. I hope not. I hope not because I think for the first time, in a while, I, I I'm really worried about the Atlantic sending four teams and not just three. Right. I was actually going to ask you about the Panthers. Yeah, that's the concern there. Because the, in this article, they have the Panthers fifth, um, but I thought we were going to see like a even a more drastic jump in their performance this year with you know Quinville and some of the other. Yeah, with they they got Bob, they got Sergey Bobrovsky between the net. Yeah, they upgraded yeah, in the in net. A, they upgraded at coach and in, in, at goaltending. So, yeah, and Luongo was good a couple years ago, and they've been sort of hanging around for a bit. They have a good defense. They have some, uh, you know, good offensive players as well. So I think they're solidly number four in the Atlantic. The top three in the Atlantic is going to be um, Tampa Bay, probably number one. Boston, Toronto, some combination of two or three, and the Panthers is fourth. So we may only be seeing four playoff teams out of the Metro as opposed to five. So it's going to be it's going to be a tough year for that. It's going to be a lot of schedule watching, a lot of scoreboard watching much of the year just because of how closely knit it is. But I, I do I'm optimistic, not as optimistic as I was last season, where I was just sort of expecting a little bit of magic here. I've seen enough in the preseason to go, you know, we this team is deep in talent 
I think between the defense and Carter Hart, they'll prevent other teams from scoring. And then hopefully we'll be able to grind our way into second or third in the division and go on to the playoffs. I think it, uh, there's definitely something to be said for not starting the season with that sort of carousel and in, in net that we went into last year. But yeah, that's going to be huge. That's going to be huge. Just reliability back there. That's going to be a handful of wins. Proveroff and Ghost both looking like themselves. That's a huge asset. That's that's like two huge, you know, uh, free agent pickups if they're back to playing like themselves. Back to your point about this schedule, Gene, it is brutal. We are in the Czech Republic on Friday, come back to Philadelphia the following Wednesday uh, to play the Devils at the home opener. Dave and I will be there. Um, <laughs> should be a good time, hopefully. Then the West Coast Canada trip, then back home against a tough Dallas team and a tough Golden Knights team before ending against um, Chicago, Columbus, Islanders, and Pittsburgh. That's two so, against Chicago really early in the season. Yeah, but Chicago should suck. Okay. Chicago <laughs> should suck this season. We should win all those games. <laughs> <laughs> we should not win all those games. Um, It'd be nice to start a season hot. It would be. And I feel like we have the right team to do it. I, I think – we should win in the Czech Republic. I don't know what the Devils' schedule looks like to start the season. That home opener is going to be tough. The Canadian road trip should be tough. Um, but I think we can. But we take got Edmonton to, in there, don't we? Edmonton's not going to be good. They have Connor McDavid, man. Connor McDavid is a, a force unto himself. So that's going to be that's going to be tough. Calgary. Um, I forget if they, I don't think they were number one in the Western Conference. Maybe they were last year, but they were a very good team. Vancouver, eh, we should beat Vancouver, hopefully. But it's going to be, um, it's going to be a tough start. So if we come out strong in October, man, that's, that's a really good indication. But if we come out a little weak and you weren't able to catch the games because they're on in the afternoon or the middle of the night, um, try to stick with it. <laughs> you know, try try to come back in November with uh, some optimism. The schedule makers really don't want Flyers fans to get too rowdy early in the year, do they? No, they don't. They They're don't. Hoping to well, literally catch us napping. Honestly, I think it's they know that the Flyers fans draw like eyes on like national TV, and early in the season they do a lot of double headers on uh, NBCSN. So if you put the Flyers on the West Coast to start the season, you, you can, can get a throw bump. on. Yeah, you can get a little bump. Yeah, you can throw on a... NBC, why are you doing that to your own team? I know. Comcast, you're going to the penalty box. <laughs> um, but no, it should be a really good start. Um, we're going to have Joel Farabee up at the big club. We will not have Morgan Frost just yet. I know, I'm super sad. Well, no, he's... A thing to keep in mind, again, uh, Chuck Fletcher said, expect a lot of movement in the first several weeks. You know, we have a lot of injured players, so we can expect a lot of movement from the AHL to the NHL. So this starting lineup isn't going to be, you know, set in stone. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. (laughs) Okay. I mean, he's hurt, right? Well, he's he's back to the AHL now. He's going to play at the Phantoms. He was like day to day with groin injury. 
So, okay. all right, we're gonna do this again. All right, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> so, how are you guys feeling for the season? Are you optimistic? Are you like Dave? semi-pessimistic no no i'm optimistic i'm totally optimistic oh, this is i i i really think and you know genius you, you uh, kind of echoed it there too like i i just think and i said it last year if we just started the year with carter hart in net and we had that consistency of you know good to very good level of goaltending play we would have been a lot better off than where we we, we found ourselves and basically, we turned to Carter Hart out of necessity, uh, and after all that bullshit with Hextall, and it just that was a whole mess. It was a huge distraction. I think you go in there now, you're firm, you know what's going on, you have you know expectations. You can't win with that kind of fucking goal play. Be a fucking flyer, like all this stuff. <laughs> I love all that. It's great. Let's do it. Go, fly or die. Very good. Yeah, Elaine Vino making a lot of great early impressions. Well, I think that uh, the other thing we did see is once uh, once we got out of the uh, out of the holiday season and and we had produced that episode. Uh, should we uh, should we tank for uh, what, 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 lose for Hughes? Lose, for, lose Hughes. for Hughes. Lose for Hughes. Um, we did see a bit of a of of, a, of an upswing by the Flyers. Thinking back on the season, and I, you know, I, I fear it's going to be more of the same just by listening to kind of Chuck break down the divisions. Um, it's going to be a fight every night in the Eastern Conference. There's just not the bottom of it is is just not. There's not like a deep uh, well of, of of shit teams in the Eastern Conference. And uh, when you don't have a lot of bottom, it's it's like the opposite of what the Phillies should have done this year. You know, when you don't have a lot of bad teams to feast off of, uh, you have to kind of keep the edge sharp. So uh, I think that just having stability. And, uh, you know, they did show me something to a certain degree la- at the end of last season that, that once things kind of stabilized, uh, th- this team can play uh, play better. And they played better under a, a, an interim coach. This is this is going to be a, a guy with a system and a track record. Um, so I'm excited. I'm, I'm really excited to see kind of a different look to the Flyers uh, this year. And uh, I would really like to see him make a deep playoff run before we get out of Giroux's prime. Or we die. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'd like to make a playoff run before we die. Yeah, yeah, it's tough to say. It's tough to say. Well, I think we have all the pieces to to make a deep playoff run with Giroux on the team. If it's this year, I'm not certain, but it's going to be soon. I really, I have a lot of hope that Carter Hart's the real deal. And if you get a real goaltender, man, that's. That's 90% of your problems right there. We have some really great defensive prospects. Well, not even prospects, defensive players, man. This is that if if I have to sum up my Flyers thoughts in just one little you know thesis statement is uh, the time is now. It's no longer talking about prospects. It's no longer talking about the future. Joel Farabee's up with the team now. Morgan Frost has an opportunity to make this team now, you know, you know, provide plays uh, well in the AHL, but it's not talking about the future. We're going to field our best lineup to win now. And I think, you know, that real winning consistency is going to begin soon. So hopefully this year, if not this year next, but the playoffs should be an expectation. Um, And, 
to make a little noise should be an expectation as well. We should certainly not go out in the first round in six games that really should have been four or five. You know, if we lose in the first round, it better be in a grueling seven games. So uh, here's before we, we, we head to the penalty box. One last thing, Dave, MVP of the Flyer season, if you had to pick one today. Carter Hart. Chuck? Carter Hart. I'm going to say Sean Couturier. It's a good pick, okay. Gene. It's a good pick. I think um, if anyone's taking the bet, uh, put a whole bunch of money on him finally winning that Selkie trophy this year for best two-way forward. Um, and he's he's a, a, a great number one center, which we didn't really see coming. And, well, which we may have given up hope for in the past, but the last several, the uh, last two years and going into this year, he's going to be our number one center and should produce like such. I think he's going to but, make, it, make an all-star team. And I think you're going to hear, you're going to hear, uh, you know, all Eastern conference kind of like maybe, maybe some, some, some rumblings for, uh, uh, for MVP. I just think Couturier is going to blow up this year. Yeah, that is awesome. That'd be yeah. Great. I hope to see it happen. Um, but my, MVP of this team is going to be Carter Hart, and he'll probably be the MVP of this team for for a long time coming. You know what my son asked me? My nine-year-old son asked me, Dad, were the Flyers ever good? Oh, man, that's a kick in the nuts. Yeah, and uh, it turned into a conversation that ended with watching a YouTube video of the Flyers playing the Russian team. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that I think that's where you would go. Like, yeah, they were good. They beat the Soviet machine. Yeah, and and on that note, there is no other place to go other than Chuck's penalty box. Thank you so much, Dave. And real quick, I have to go back to that thought of Dad, were the Flyers ever ever good? I want like I imagine there are random Flyers alumni just like walking around Delco, like Oh, did you say something, eh? Bobby Clark, what are you doing here? Oh, I'm just bringing my Stanley Cup rings. <laughs> oh, son, sit down and let me tell you a story. <laughs> and on that note, I'll kick it right back to you, Dave. Dave, who is in your penalty box oh, this evening? Oh, my gosh. Listen, I will always defend enthusiastic parent at youth sporting event because I myself, uh, you know, find myself – you know, sort of cheering for my my own children to excel. Um, but if there's one group that I cannot abide by, it's uh, overbearing parent at intramural soccer games. Um, <laughs> but look, I get it. You know, you want your kid to do well or whatever. But if you have such high expectations for your children in the game of soccer at this age, 9, 10, 12 years old, they need to be trying out for travel teams uh, or some of these uh, elevated programs. If you're still mucking about in intramural, you need to get them out there to the next level. Or if you've attempted them at that next level and, uh, you know, they didn't quite make it, so you're still mucking around with uh, intramural, then you you need to lower your expectations about what you expect at, at, out of these leagues. You, you, you're looking like a fool going crazy on the sideline in your camping chair um, shouting at these kids when really they're, they're just out there having fun. It, it, it's intramural. It's, it's supposed to be a more relaxed environment. So 
uh, chill out. It's 90 degrees still in late September. We're all cranky that we've been sitting out at this field all day. I'm sorry your kid doesn't know what the difference between the left post and the center box is. You, you need to relax a little bit and let the kids have fun. All right. To soccer parents who don't know what level their children are playing at, Dave says, curb your enthusiasm. Your child is not pretty, uh, pretty, pretty good. You get a two minute penalty. Know your place in this world. Uh, Gene, who is in your penalty box? In weird shit hockey players eat on the bench news. Oh. Uh,. More so than like Coca-Cola in a water bottle. This is way weirder, in <laughs> okay, my opinion. Great. It's spaghetti sauce. So you're, uh, you're not far removed there, Dave. Go really? on. <laughs> so seemingly odd choice for refreshment from a Winnipeg forward. Uh, Chuck, I'm going to butcher this name, but uh, Latestu? Uh, Mark Latestu. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, decided that uh, during a preseason game on the Jets bench... He would uh, chug down a mustard packet. <laughs> if you can't cook up an entire hot dog on the bench during a hockey game, you can at least chug a condiment. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't really know where else to go with that, but like, wow, like that, there is nothing refreshing about <laughs> mustard packets. Uh, my only thought was like this was some sort of a horrible preseason like bet gone wrong where like his other line mates were like if you have a bad shift um, you've got to come off and chug mustard uh, like if you if you take a minus I, I have no idea what could have possibly and again like did he have to flag down like the hot dog guy in the stadium and be like can you bring me just a couple of packets or, or did he have them like stuffed in his uniform or on the bench so many questions about this but like the bottom line is you should get off the bench, skate yourself around to the penalty box, and have a seat. Like a yellow mustard? Oh yeah, like whatever, like like mustard packets, like I not mean, even like that fun brown like Dijon, you know, like just like typical hot dog mustard. I, I I'm down a mustard packet. I got no problem with that. <laughs> you also used to eat pepperoni out of a <laughs> cup for lunch, but uh, so Mark Latestu, um, the French name for the French mustard. <laughs> You're getting four minutes in the penalty box for bad breath and weird dietary habits. <laughs> do you think he stopped the ref and was like, "Excuse me, referee, do you have any gray poupon?" <laughs> <laughs> Chuck, who's in your penalty box? All right, we're sticking with hockey, and it brings me much pleasure to put Sidney Crosby into the Ooh, penalty box. Wow, first time. Uh, yes, and um, it's not quite him. It's also the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. Uh, recently, uh, very recently, uh, within the past few days, uh, Sidney Crosby had his number retired by... Um, and I don't have the team name in front of me. I believe it's uh, Ramescu, Ramescu. Um, the team he played for uh, with junior hockey with the Q. Um, and he had the number 87 retired by the team. Not only was it retired by the team, it was retired by the entire friggin' league. They retired Sidney Crosby's number in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. And you, you think, okay, well, maybe... You know, 
they do this for all the great players. Nope, he's the first. Well, maybe he was the all-time highest scorer in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. Uh, his highest season was 37th of all time in the <laughs> Quebec Major Junior. Um, maybe he's considered their best player of all time. Nope, he is universally considered the third best player ever to come out of the queue. Um, uh, the f- first one being Mario Lemieux, the second one being Guy Lafleur. And <laughs> so Why? Why his number? This is not this is not Jackie Rob Robinson breaking the color barrier, you know, being a cultural touchstone. This is just some guy who was really good, you know, in the NHL. He didn't even have extensive, you know, junior hockey career because he was so good. He went to the NHL right at eighteen. Um, I'm sure he started with the uh, junior hockey at sixteen, but. Okay, retire his number. Why wasn't it retired sooner? Sooner, do not retire it across the league. So Sidney Crosby and the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, you are getting a two-minute minor for trumping up um, accolades for a generational player, not the generational player. Yeah, that's kind of bizarre. It is. I, I don't know. Is there any other... Is there any other number that's been retired across an entire league? You know, of any, I mean, obviously, of the four major sports, you know, we only have the Jackie Robinson. I think it's the only one. Well, nope. I mean, does anybody wear 99 oh, in the NHL? Not? 99 has been retired across the NHL. Really? Yeah, and I think that's kind of bullshit. Yeah, me too. It, like, retire it for every team he's played on. You know, Oilers, Kings, Rangers. Hell, do it for... I mean, even Rangers, I would be a little like, eh, really? Yeah. I I just think you you need to be like... It's not just about being a good player or the best player. Because, like, Jackie Robinson was by no means the best... Yeah. No, it's it's a different... It's it's, it's to symbolize something other than his athletic achievement. Exactly. It's, It's... it's the cultural shift. It's everything he had to endure to be the first, you know, black player in uh, Major League Baseball. So, yeah, there's a reason to retire his number. And also, the board. it gives Major League Baseball a way to talk about that and not let that part of its past kind of just fade away. It's it's a way to kind of keep that alive, which I appreciate. It's one of the rare things that Major League Baseball probably does well. Yeah. yeah. And and even think Gretzky got the number 99 because he used to play as the number nine for his hero, Gordie Howe. And nine isn't retired across the league, even though you had Gordie Howe, you had uh, that creep Bobby Hull, you had um, uh, Richard, uh, Maurice Richard, uh, all wear number nine. Uh, that's why I love the fact that Provorov wears number nine. It's kind of like the, you know, hockey's version of the number 10 in soccer. So have it be the number 99. If somebody kid grew up watching Gretzky and he has the balls to wear 99, let him wear 99. You know? I mean, it's not like 23 is retired in the NBA. Right. But yeah. the NBA loves to retire shit though. So they're, they're a whole di- <laughs> They retire people. They retire numbers before people retire. <laughs> no, I mean, Iguodala's numbers retired, so I mean, what are you going to do? Uh, all right, well, let's retire this episode. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, we'll be back uh, next Monday, uh, hopefully recapping a Monster Eagles 
dominating victory over the lowly New York Jets. But until then, uh, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to Potadelphia on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, be sure to check us out on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Just search Potadelphia. If you have any time in your podcast listening day, be sure to check out The Whip Around, our sister show for all your weird news of the week. Uh, And until then, uh, have a great day at work, everybody. We're out of here. 